Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. All right, here we are. Welcome back to Recovery Sort Of uh, with Billy and Jason. Uh, Today we're going to attempt to tackle the topic of are 12-step groups religions? Are they cults? Are they both? Are they neither? Are they religious cults? Like, uh, what are they exactly in in those sort of terms? Um, Because they have definitely been considered that by certain individuals and what does that mean for them? Uh, and of course, as always, I think my biggest frame of reference is the particular 12-step group that I am a member of, but I would imagine the rules probably apply to most since they are very similar in the way they run. Yeah, and one of the things I always find interesting about these kind of conversations, it sort of falls into the same uh, category as, is addiction a disease? And we hear these words, you know, like disease has a very sort of vague definition. When you actually look up the literal definition of the word, um, it's pretty general and pretty vague. And you find the same thing with words like cult or religion that, you know, they have sort of multiple meanings. Um, and then there's sort of the more uh, common understanding of, of what generally people think of when they hear these words. So like for me, when I hear cult, I immediately think of like a negative thing. It immediately falls into like some, some organization where there's like a charismatic leader that convinces you to believe some sort of ridiculous bullshit. And drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And and (laughs) drink the Kool-Aid or, you know, wait for the spaceship or whatever. And, you know, when you actually get into looking up the literal definition of the word, you can use the word cult in positive ways ways as well. It doesn't always have this total negative connotation to it. Right. Game of Thrones had a cult following, right? And we don't look at that as a bad thing. It just uh, fit the definition of cult and, you know, suited the needs of the writer in that particular article. So yeah, it's not always negative. Uh, and, And religion definitely, I would say, is not always negative, even though quite a few of us might have that view of our childhood religion. Yeah. And same when I hear the word religion, I mean, immediately what I think of is like basically a bunch of dogmatic beliefs that you're sort of told to believe by a group of people. And and like I've gotten a little more open minded about this. I used to think like religion is for uh, unintelligent people that really need to be led or guided because they're not smart enough to make their own decisions. <laughs> um, that's a pretty arrogant thing to say, but that's kind of the way that I always looked at religion is like, that's for weak minded people that need other people to tell them what to do. Right. And, uh, so with religion, I definitely look at, um, it's a set of rules that people need to follow that maybe aren't always in tune with the own beliefs of the religion that's it seems like they go against themselves quite frequently uh the rules and the beliefs um and i've always looked at people who religion seems like a very easy way whether it was created for this or not it seems like a good way of kind of crowd control for people who don't have much 
you know, to keep them from possibly overthrowing the people that have it all. Um, and so that's sort of the way I've viewed religion, which isn't very nice either. Yeah. And there's some, some things in like the old Testament of, you know, the, the Bible, for example, there's a lot of what were considered religious rules. Um, you still see some of them practice within the Jewish religion today. Um, and a lot of them, when you look at the basis of them, what they really did was help prevent like the spread of germs and eating unhealthy meats and putting yourself into health risks. <laughs> so, you know, obviously it's, it's easy to say like, oh, when you eat this thing, you die. So that's a sign from God not to eat that thing. <laughs> like, right, right. like some of it, they were an they were practical rules that people had come up with. And almost like you say, as a way to sort of crowd control instead of letting everyone experiment on their own and figure it out. It was probably easier just to say, well, God said, don't eat this stuff because we don't want everybody eating this stuff and dying. Right. So I think a, a good place to start uh, for this discussion might be the definition of religion. And so we will go to our true religion and our God, Google. Um, so the, the first top definition of religion if you just look it up on Google search is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God or gods. Um, and so just going by that one particular definition, I would say that 12 step groups do not qualify as religions because we do not worship a particular superhuman controlling power. And I actually felt the opposite. (laughs) I felt that exactly describes the 12 step fellowship. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily, hold on. I had that same definition up here and I'll tell you. So sorry, I'm, I'm floored. (laughs) Yeah. Um, now this one's a little, Oh, that's cult. Sorry. Um, I, I don't know why, but when I saw that, I'm always amazed when people can look at the exact same information as me and we can see it from two completely different perspectives and not, I don't know why I'm amazed. Maybe it's my arrogance to think that obviously you'll see it my way because it's right. Um, But I I definitely am surprised by that. And I guess worship's a little strong. I don't know that we worship, but I say if you sort of said a belief in a superhuman controlling power, especially a God, but that's kind of what happens in 12 step groups. We, I mean, there's a lot of people that will tell you that you can't recover without a God. Like you better come in and get a God. That's what you need to do right away. You need a power greater than yourself. You know, that's this God of our understanding or else you're fucked. Like you, without that piece, you're fucked because you're left to your own devices, which will fail you. Right. Because people want to hate each other and kill each other if they don't have a God (laughs) and they need the threat of, you know, hell in order to keep them straight uh no so look i i might be one of those people that believes that god is very very helpful for recovery um i will say i've seen people that say they don't believe in god who have recovery uh so it it obviously doesn't apply across the board but i believe it's hugely important i guess my distinction with this definition is um to me this is almost like the religion is the place where you go to get this worshiping of a superhuman controlling power. And I feel like a 12 step fellowship says, Hey, that's a good idea. You should go pursue that somewhere else. Like in this meeting place in this fellowship, that's not specifically what we do here. Here we give you 
good ideas of things that can help you stay clean and recover. This is one of those good ideas that maybe you should get one of these religion things or, or something similar, but go do that somewhere else. And so I guess that's where I make the distinction of I don't see the 12-step fellowship itself being the religion, but more of, hey, religion's probably something you might want to think about or a God is something you might want to think about. We're just here to give you some good ideas of staying clean, but maybe somewhere else go pursue that uh, idea of God. Yeah, I would say, so I'm a person that wrestles with that idea of, you know, sort of what, like I use God for myself in what I would call the lowercase g version, like God is in good orderly direction. Right. And we've talked about this kind of stuff before, like, I don't believe that there's a God or higher power out there that moves us around like, you know, chess players on a chessboard or checker pieces on a checkerboard. Like to me, that's not my understanding of God. It's sort of that good orderly direction. If I live by spiritual principles and apply these principles in my life, good things will happen. And, you know, it it falls more into that kind of thing. There's not this greater uh, mystical, magical being riding up in the clouds, you know, making decisions for what we do or, or, or pushing pieces you know around so that we suffer consequences or get benefits of doing right or doing wrong like i struggle with all that sort of stuff so the god sort of capital g god has always been an issue that i've wrestled with in recovery i went back and forth between sort of not being believing in god at all when i first got clean to going the other way and being involved with an organized religion for a number of years and being, I still, that was a great experience. I met some of the most wonderful, best people I've ever known in my life that were just genuinely good, caring, loving people that were Christians, you know, that were doing God's work in the world with it. And they believed in it and were kind, loving people Um, to where I just found that that, I struggled with my own personal belief in that. And I don't know that I'm right to trust me. I don't by any stretch of the imagine think, think that I'm right. <laughs> I just, you know, I go back to, I believe it's in the second step of the fellowship that we go to. It talks about our belief comes not from dogma, meaning I don't just believe because I have to believe or because I'm told to believe. Right. So I always fall back on what I know works for me and So at times I've fallen into, there is a greater God, there is a higher power, and I will pray and do those things regularly. Um, But what inevitably what happens to me is then I fall back and get super pissed at that God when things don't work out the way that I should, not for any action that I've done wrong, but just they don't work out in a good way. Bad things happen in the world. And if there's this loving God, why, you know? And the answers that I've gotten to those questions, talking to religious people, non-religious people, different people, none of them really have been satisfactory to me. (laughs) Right. No. And I don't want to get too much into my personal beliefs, not because I I don't want to share them, but more because that could probably be an entire podcast (laughs) on its own. Um, But no, I I do fall more in line with a a universal energy that's intelligent. And uh, I do I actually just thought yesterday about the different 
ways my life has gone and the way I do feel much like a chess piece placed in these different places for an amount of time for a purpose. Um, I don't buy into the, you know, punishment of right and wrong and all those things. My belief in that area is probably more of the, the yin and yang where there is no good or bad or the good and bad both exist together always. Uh, and that there is no, like the good thing happened or the bad thing happened because I did the right thing or the wrong thing. It's just things happened. Uh, and they were part of my life to guide me to the next piece I was going to be put in. Um, so I, I don't know about that, but I just, I guess just looking at this definition in, in particular, I think of if I'd have wanted to get clean or find recovery and I would have looked up how to do that. And I would have found a website that said, Hey, suggestions for getting clean and finding recovery. And if suggestion three on that website was, Hey, maybe you want to find a God that could be really useful for you. Or, or if a therapist suggested it, you know, I would not consider the therapist or that website I went to, to be a religion itself. I would consider that to be a place that suggested maybe I should find that. And so that by that definition to me, I would say that 12 step fellowships are not a religion in and of themselves. They might suggest people move in that direction some in some other part of their life but the 12-step fellowship is not really a religion yeah but we have a step that says we made a decision to turn our will and lives over to a power greater than ourselves and so i guess you could say that doesn't have to be god but it sure sounds like it (laughs) it does sound like it. It it sure sounds like you're saying you need to turn your will and your life over to a Actually, to the God superhuman controlling power to use the definition, right. <laughs> like it, it, and that's in a step. And like for me, the way a twelve-step fellowship works is that the steps are the recovery. So to me, the steps aren't a suggestion. I guess if you want recovery, I don't. I mean, I know we say, oh, these are all suggestions, but uh, to be frank, I don't think they are. I think there's some shit you better do if you want to get clean and actually have what I would consider recovery. Right. Well, so, okay, if we go to the next two popular definitions, I have a particular system of faith and worship, uh, and then the next one would be a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. Now, definitely going by number three, yes, uh, 12-step fellowships would be a religion by that definition. It is definitely a pursuit and interest which is ascribed supreme importance in one's life. If you want to be clean, it must be really important to be clean and you must attend this meeting to get there. And that might not be the only way for everyone, but that definitely is what I needed to do to find recovery. Yeah. And even in that definition, when you, you know, right below, it gives you sort of use it in a sentence. It says consumerism is the new religion. Well, that's another one of those cases where we're using a more general version of that word you know so you know technically you could say yes it's a religion because of this third definition but i certainly don't think um i would i'd say it this way the things that i don't think recovery does or 12-step fellowships do uh that separate them out from what most people would call organized religions are as you mentioned they don't force you to worship or praise or do any of those things in any particular way. There's no real requirements or demands that you, you know, tithe or that you Mm. follow certain (laughs) rules or 
tithing's a little up in the air uh, with the donation basket. I know it's not required, but it, it is suggested you donate a portion of your money. Well, there's to nothing finances. you would say. There's nothing you would see in any of the written literature that says you need to give money. There's written in a you know that you should be self-supporting, right? And so, if you're going to be a part of an organization, <laughs> you should help it be self-supporting, right? But if you don't, you know, sort of no one's counting. I mean, I guess when I think of tithing, like in most religious aspects, it's 10% is what's cited in the yeah. Bible as far as, you know, give 10% of your income, you know, to the church and then let them decide what they want to do with it. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've always thought that that was pretty open, but then there's, uh, you know, the openness to find or explore a higher power, you know, that you want in recovery that I think separates it from most religions. You know, most religions are pretty clear on like, hey, this is our deity here at the top. This is who we worship. This right. is who we praise. This is what all this is for. This is the rules they laid down for us. And so you got to do these things. And I think for those reasons, you know, recovery sort of pushes back against religion. So I've been to a, a, a universalist church where there isn't a particular I guess universalism is a religion, maybe. Uh, I don't know, but they don't have a particular God that you go and worship. Everybody's got their own, right? Some people, it's Buddhism or Hinduism or whatever it is that you practice. And they just kind of group together to worship and come together and, and fellowship, really, um, which I think is a unique idea. It's more inclusive for sure. But I would say that that skews my understanding of whether 12 steps are a religion again <laughs> yeah. so if it is a religion now what like are we christian we're 12 stepians or like how do you how do you entitle that are we apostles of 12 steps or what so and not to go down a big long road of the history of stuff but if you go back and look this is gone back away so i'd have to refresh some of my history on this but there was originally the Oxford group, which was a religious group that had the six steps for recovery. And that's sort of loosely where the 12 steps came from. Right. So they were based off a model from a religious group. They were taken and tried to sort of, uh, I don't want to say separate out religion, because obviously in the 12 steps, there's no refrain from the use of God. I mean, there, and it's capital G in the steps. And <laughs> when you look at it, it's right. a capital G God several times in the steps. Um, it would be interesting. I've actually thought about digging into the history, what history I could find. I know it started in AA, um, you know, originally came up with the original 12 steps and it would be interesting to dig into the religion. I mean, the uh, history on that to see what context of that was religious <laughs> right so I, I know me i i definitely am a proponent of we do not force any religion on you we don't require you to have one i don't personally in my own life understand not having some form of higher power right i just can't fathom the idea of it the way i've watched my life play out um <clears throat> but i definitely i'm against when I go to a meeting uh, and maybe another fellowship where they they say a particular religion's prayer at the end, that drives me crazy. I'm like, how are you going to sit here and say we don't support any one religion and you can do what you want and then talk about heaven and hell and, you know, forgiving our trespasses? Like, that's a particular thing right there. That's not across the board. Yeah. And uh, recently there was an organization that started in this area that is 
specifically a religious 12-step fellowship. And their the gentleman explained it to us in the way that the really only difference was that their first step says we admitted we were powerless over uh, the things that separated us from God and that our lives have become unmanageable. Right. So they take out sort of addiction or alcohol or sex and love or, you know, whatever right. food Overeating, and yeah. they put in the things that separated us from God. And they are very specifically religious based, you know, right. so that's an interesting, you know, wow. <laughs> that is interesting because definitely for my personal belief system, I buy into that first step. Uh, I don't particularly like it as a first step for everybody seeking recovery. I, I like our definition of it in general. Um, I feel like ours is all inclusive as well as that one is. But I, if somebody would have told me I had to believe in a particular religion when I first walked through the doors, I, I would have left. I don't want to believe in a particular religion. I don't want you to tell me the rules of what my God is and isn't. I don't want any of that. I want to figure out what I want to believe myself. Yeah, and the, my understanding of God when I was using, or belief, whatever you want to call it, the the misinformation and lack of faith and lack of hope and lack of uh, humanity that I saw in my life when I, at the end of my using, you know, I r really thought if there was a God, it had to be a pretty terrible thing because, right. you know, the, the information that I came in was very skewed and damaged because I was a sick and hurt person, probably mentally, you know, I definitely wasn't all there. Um, so that ability to sort of come in and, and to hear people tell me, at least what I heard in the beginning was, you don't have to believe in any particular God. You don't have to believe in a God at all if you don't want to. We'll worry about that later. Right now, right. you just need to come in and get clean. And as you go through the process of, you know, your step work with a sponsor, you can work through uh, whatever your beliefs are. And, and so through my process of recovery, I feel like that's what I've done. I've gotten to be able to explore some of my beliefs to see what was dogma and what's not and what I believe and, and what I don't and to be right. okay enough to say, yeah, I think this is the way that I want to live my life, you know? Right. And so I guess one of the things that I've always, that has allowed me to never even consider a 12 step fellowship to be a religion is that to me, a religion tells you who God is and, and how you need to worship it. And I've never gotten that sense from a 12-step fellowship. It's always been, hey, you get to pick what your God has quality-wise and attribute-wise. And then you get to pick how you talk to that God and what you do to worship it. And so to me, that would be the separation. Like, I believe religions force a particular God on you, or at least they only offer one particular version or vision of God. And a 12-step fellowship doesn't qualify as a religion because it does not have that. Yeah. Now, would you say the words higher power and God are the same? Or are they different? Um, so I, yes, I think those two words are the same. Uh, I know our fellowship tends to also say power greater than, which I do think can encompass a little bit more than just God or higher power. Um, but I think God and higher power are pretty much one and the same. I, I honestly prefer the term higher power to refer to mine, but God is one syllable and easier to say. So I usually stick with that. <laughs> yeah. And I, 
almost try it occasionally comes i almost try to avoid god mostly for all the context that comes along with it when you use that word there's so you know it's yeah history (laughs) yeah and there's so people have very rigid ideas in their mind about what they think that means you know personally to them so when you use that word you know it's not an open, you know, like higher power seems to be a little more open Absolutely. to interpretation, whereas God, most of the time, most people feel like that's pretty specific. And and that's why I prefer the term higher power. It's just annoying to say four syllables when <laughs> yeah, I can right. say one, which is laziness <laughs> on my Get part. lazy, yeah, and say God. Um, the only other thing I would say about the, the question of religion is I would definitely say all the religions I know are built from the top down. Like that's the authoritative structure. And from the, uh, my understanding of 12 step structure, it is a structure based on the bottom up, right? So the people at the bottom are the ones who vote to create the rules and the structure of the 12 step fellowship, not the other way around. There's not the, the highest power God at the top with popes or priests under it. And, And there's no structure level of people telling the lower people what to do. It's actually the opposite. And so that also to me would separate it from any kind of religious um, annotation. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm just thinking about that for a minute to think how, how that role of like sponsorship and all that plays in, because I don't know about you, but I've definitely heard stories of sponsors that dictate to their sponsees on, you need to call me every day and you need to do this and you need to do that. And this is, you know, you need to get up and go to work and you need to have this job and I don't care what it is, but you got to get a, you know, and yeah, no, absolutely. That seems like there's, but that's not the fellowship's point of view. I would say that's more a personal right. application. It might of, be an ego <laughs> problem. Right. No. So thinking about that, like, uh, you know, in certain religions you can get excommunicated and just completely barred and kicked out of the religion. Right. Um, and we don't have that just with what you're just talking about. I could suggest that a sponsee call me every day. And if they don't, um, chances are that I'm not going to fire them from sponsorship. But even if I did, even if I thought, hey, I'm not helping this individual, maybe somebody else would help them better. I'm still not going to kick them out of NA or or any 12-step fellowship because I can't, right? They're a member when they say they are. And so I, I don't know if religions have that freedom to say you're a member when you say you are or if they dictate if you're a member. Hmm. Yeah, I think that varies for religion, you know, from religion to religion. I'm sure certain ones are a little more like I was raised Catholic, which is probably why my views on God are all screwed up in the first (laughs) place. I went to Catholic school and everything. So, you know, there were definitely formalities and rituals and steps that you had to proceed through, you know, with uh, confirmation and first communion and confession and, you know, all those like steps that you had to go through to be considered, you know, Catholic, you had to be baptized within the Catholic church. Like there were definitely rules in Catholicism, um, to becoming a member, but we've been to other churches along the way, you know, throughout life, um, that weren't, um, the only other thing I'd like to say about organized religion is recovery has given me the ability to sort of go in and listen to things with an open mind and not just solely focus on, what's bad about it, but to almost the opposite, like, let's go in and look at what's good about it. And so, um, as I've went to 
different churches and checked out different religions. Um, when I can go in with an open mind and just listen to the message, what hits me most a lot of times, if you get past the sort of quirkiness of some of the rules, it's like love and compassion and kindness and, you know, faith and hope and trust. And, you know, those principles are all there. They're all the spiritual principles that we learn about and practice in a 12 step fellowship. They just take it to a next level with a set beliefs on why they do it. Whereas in recovery, I've had the freedom to sort of explore why I do it, you know, for my own reasons. No. And I, and I buy into that there. I think a lot of religion is based from a good place. Um, and, and I do like the principles that are spiritual that, that apply to them. I just, I guess my hang up a lot of times with religion is that once you, okay, you have these beliefs of love and compassion and empathy and let's help each other and, and lift each other up. And then what I see in practice is those principles get thwarted by the rules of the religion, like, oh, you're gay, you must die and go to hell. Like, and I'm like, what the hell happened? We just loved everybody a second ago, and now we got a rule because we're a religion. And, and uh, so now we'll get down this road a little bit. So the two different churches that I sort of belong to uh, in my recovery at different times were both the reasons they appealed to me were because they didn't do that. Right. One of them in particular addressed very specifically those kind of issues and said, you know, we look at it as what the Bible teaches is a sin is a sin. So there's no worse sin or no greater sin. If you're out, you know, whatever, you know, eating grapes in the grocery store or taking stuff that doesn't belong to you and stealing the toast I had this morning. That yeah. Wasn't mine. Then, then that's stealing and that's wrong. That is no worse than, you know, homosexuality or any of those things. So, right. you know, that was the appeal of that church is that they didn't differentiate you know, and say this sin is worse or that's worse. It's like, we're all sinners. We all do wrong at some point in our life. Right. And you don't care, you know, you don't kick out anybody for that. We still love them. We encourage them to do right. We try to help them to do right. So I guess they didn't want people to be gay, right? which is a little weird to me, which is probably one of the reasons I left, but, <laughs> but more accepting. And, yeah. and, and I, and I think, you know, what I'm talking about might not be the norm. It's what you see on the news for sure, because it's, you know, glorified and, and you can sell news with it and advertising. Uh, but I definitely don't understand like, hey, let's forgive the guy who murdered, you know, 20 people. But them gay people, we're, no, they got to stay out of our church. So I think in closing, I mean, I would say. Um, under the loosest definition, dictionary definition of religion. Maybe 12-step fellowships qualify, but when you think of what most people think of as an organized religion, I would say it is not. Yeah, I, that sounds about right to me. And, and now we get to move on to the much more exciting world of cults, because yeah. that uh, seems more exciting than debating whether it's a religion or not. So, of course, we're going back to our religious deity, Google, uh, to find the definition of cult. And the first definition would be a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. And I probably should have looked up veneration before I started this. Um, But just going by that, if we say it's not a religion, I guess it's also not a cult, right? Yeah, by that first one, I would say definitely it doesn't seem like it. Uh, The following definition is a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. 
That's an interesting definition <laughs> that you have to be regarded as weird in order to be in a cult. Um, but really the one I think that most applies to what we're talking about would be the third definition, a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. And that becomes interesting. So it says misplaced or excessive. Um, I wouldn't say that uh, a fondness or admiration for a 12-step fellowship would be misplaced for a person that has been using drugs their whole life. Like that might be a good place that they really need to place their admiration yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. um, but the excessive, I could I could see that. So what are your thoughts about the excessive admiration that people could have for a 12-step fellowship? Um, to be honest, I think in the beginning it's healthy. Um, for me, what I understand of addiction is I had a really obsessive compulsive disorder that, you know, I used drugs all the time. That was the only thing I knew of life and part of coming into recovery, um, was to replace a lot of those uh, old behaviors, old beliefs, old practices. Um, I didn't really know how to have fun, how to go to work, how to participate in life, you know, when I got clean. So I really needed something, someone, somebody to sort of guide and direct me. So jumping in with both feet into this fellowship and sort of looking around to be like, Hey, what do these people do? How are they getting by what are their practices what are they you know how do they survive in this life that was really healthy for me in the beginning yeah from a a therapy standpoint this is where like the cognitive behavioral therapy referred to as cbt a lot is it comes into play like this is exactly what you would do the opposite of what you've been doing right you'd expose yourself to new practices you would challenge your old ways of thinking by trying new things uh And this is where I think a lot of effectiveness of 12-step fellowships takes hold. Um, Part of what I read this morning about people who do have... So there was a lady uh, that works on deprogramming people from cults. And she was interacting with people that had gone to AA, I believe, in particular. And she said deprogramming people who felt stuck in AA was very similar to deprogramming people from cults. Um, In the sense that like when you first come, the cult type ways that they do of, hey, hit 90 meetings in 90 days, show up here all the time, make this a priority in your life. And then there were people who had gotten clean or sober that way and then were scared to leave the fellowship and try any other way that might work for them. Because, you know, the things that we say to people, hey, people who leave here, uh, stop staying clean or sober or the things you put in front of your recovery are, are going to be what you lose when you get high again. And so because of that, uh, she felt like it had very similar attributes to a cult in the way she had to deprogram people from those beliefs. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know for myself, though, as I stayed engaged in the process of recovery and continued to you know, practice the steps and explore that, what I you know, found was freedom to be the person that I am. Um, And, you know, it's sort of, for me, looking around in recovery at the autonomy of the people in the fellowship, you know, you start to see like, there's all sorts of people doing this all sorts of different ways. There's sort of some general 
suggestions. But the truth is, the longer you stay around, you see those suggestions work for some people and fail for other people. And some people, you know, they only need to go to a meeting every couple of weeks or once a month or whatever works for them. And other people go to five meetings a week and they still get high. So, So the variance, you know, of how we use and apply the fellowship in our life um it's hard to quantify that into one thing like yeah my application of you know why i go to meetings and what i get out of what i would say the fellowship overall is different than it was when i first got into recovery absolutely absolutely some of the other points she made that I found interesting and had never really considered before uh, when she was deprogramming, per se, from 12-step fellowship, she mentioned that uh, there's a lot of, you know, she talked about the 13th step issue of the the old-timer individuals that somewhat prey on maybe the newer members who are just trying to find something to believe in, and they're easily susceptible to these um, older members. And then she mentioned how sponsorship can sometimes take the form. And maybe this is sort of what we talked about with the religion piece. When you mentioned a sponsor who forcefully tells their sponsee what they need to do, who they need to call every day and all this stuff. And she likened that position to the position of an abuser uh, in a cult or, or the main guy who dictates the rules. And, you know, you have to follow without question in order to belong or you're shunned or kicked out. If you're not working steps, people are going to judge you. If you're living a certain way or breaking other 12-step faux pas, people judge you and shun you out of the program. And she likened those attributes to being like a cult. I have actually probably seen all of those things happen to people at (laughs) different times. So I can't disagree with that. But I would also say from my observation that if you take every any organization and judge it by its absolute worst people Mm -hmm. or worst application and then say well the worst people or the worst application of these principles represents the whole group you know you'll find that nothing's good because you know in any religion i believe there's some great people that are doing work for the right reasons. And then there's other people that are doing it for all kinds of wrong reasons. Right. Or they're just mentally unhealthy themselves and they are, think they're doing well, but they really, you know, sort of aren't. I would buy into that greatly. I would say the majority of the 13th stepping that goes on is not people maliciously trying to prey on other new members. I think it's more of just, people who still have issues in an area of abandonment and looking for attachment somewhere. And and they think they find it in this new lustful, loving, whatever you want to call it relationship. And then it doesn't work out and people get hurt. I don't think it's really a tactic from the beginning that is meant to hurt anyone. No. Well, so I'm question. Yeah, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, so I was, I guess you would say 13th step by my wife. I was I hoping you'd don't, bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I feel weird saying that because the way that I looked at it was different. But yeah, so I, when I first got into recovery, I had a couple of months clean. My wife had 12 years at the time and we started dating. Um, the fact that people made it so weird 
actually encourage me to work harder at my recovery if that was a thing <laughs> like because I, I was like well i'll prove all you fuckers wrong and i'll yeah. you know stay healthy and stay engaged in recovery and not you know allow this relationship to become you know my higher power or my recovery and so i still you know worked adamantly on my own personal recovery while i was in a relationship with her i was lucky at the time that you know my sponsor at the time was supportive and sort of the best advice he had to give me was to say hey look you know anything you put in front of your recovery you'll lose so if you're in this relationship you know as long as you keep your focus on recovery and staying clean and doing the things you need to do for your own you know personal well-being whatever happens with that relationship will be fine but if that takes the place of your recovery and things go bad you're in trouble um so yeah and it's worked out for us we're still married we're still together we've been together 19 years now so you know i also know a very close friend of mine that was a rehab romance that they say never works out and they're married and they've been married longer than my wife and i so i think they've been married 20 years or together at least 20 something years right you know and you hear how often that works out you know almost right. never <laughs> but they are and they're married and they're happy and they're together and they're both still you know clean was, sober whatever the words you want to use are right and and there was a time in my recovery where uh i was sponsored and buying into i, I don't want to use the word that's typically thrown around with this but it was a, definitely a much more stricter na police version of recovery that was going on in my head um and so I definitely said, yeah, you know, don't do the 13th step. It never works out. This is never. And I've spoken a lot of absolutes, never as always. Um, and since then, hearing stories about people who have had successful rehab romances or 13th step experiences where they're married 20 and 30 years later, I've questioned that. I still don't think it's the norm. I think it's definitely the, the exception to the rule of it not working. Um, and, and there are times when I question, you know, well, what's the health of that look like at certain points in time? And, but I can't argue with the evidence that it has worked for some people and they seem pretty generally happy in their life. And so my suggestion to new people is generally always, hey, uh, relationships are a painful area, right? Relationships are a good replacement drug uh, when we get off of drugs. So maybe you don't want to put too much stock in that early on. But I'm never one to say, don't get in a relationship in your first year, or I, I kind of hope they don't. I think they're better off working on themselves alone, but it's not for me to decide that. And I think all of it's a learning process, and that's where we feel stuff and, and go at it. So I'm not of the occult uh, leader sense that I need to dictate what people do in their life. Yeah, and some of those things, I mean, there's a couple, are we vaguely talked about this once before with these cliches that people use and say all the time that are they good or bad and and that's one of them this 13th step stay out of relationships for a year i don't know about you but i have looked there is not one piece of official recovery literature that says not to do that no there's not that is just a rehab thing that they taught you in rehab that came out of everyone you know going to treatment and treatment centers pushing 12 steps and they didn't want people sleeping with each other in rehab because it looked bad so you know that was this treatment idea i've also heard it you know they say don't make any major changes in the first year of your recovery that's another like stupid cliche because you really need to change everything about 
yourself. When I first got in recovery, I was living in a house with guys that were getting high every day. You know, my, you know, health and general life skills were pretty abysmal. You know, I needed right. to change everything about myself. I needed to get out of that place. I needed to get into a healthy relationships with people, maybe not, you know, physical love relationships, but just developing healthy relationships with people <laughs> based on, you know, trust and people that I could look up to and uh, develop some, uh, what do they call them, role models of people in recovery. Like I had to change everything about myself when I first got clean. So I hate some of those cliche sayings right. I hate. <laughs> yeah, I would. So if I had to guess the proportion of people, you know, that get in a relationship within their first year and that relationship ends up being the last relationship they're in, they're like long term and together forever. It's probably tiny. So I think maybe that, you know, message is somewhat true in that sense. But I've also heard and believe that nobody really knows if staying out of a relationship for your first year works because nobody's ever done it, right? <laughs> like nobody, everybody seems to want to be in some relationship, whether even if it's not a romantic one, you get in a relationship with a sponsor, you get in a relationship with, you know, people in your network. These are the things that keep us clean. And those so-called platonic relationships are still intimate and still can cause the same amount of pain. Like have a, a close best friend sponsee brother that relapses and tell me that don't feel just like getting dumped. Right. Yeah, so, or have a sponsor, put your stuff out there. You know, that's exactly. happened to me before unintentionally, but I had a sponsor, you know, say some personal stuff I had said to him and he told his wife who then told someone else. And, you know, it's sort of, that's the way that that went down. And it was very, you know, at the time sort of, overwhelming and and like wow this is how these people are you know it's it right. difficult um and it that just reminded me of you know the thing we talked about a little bit earlier not to go too far down this road but you know there's a guy johan hari and he does a ted talk about addiction and he says the opposite of addiction is not abstinence the opposite of addiction is connection and his you know sort of research and he wrote a book about it how you know we need to develop these relationships it's these intimate interpersonal connected relationships that you know help us recover it's not right. just getting off drugs just getting off drugs we all do that when we're locked in jail or whatever you know right. we can we can get a, a minor breaks throughout our using where we're not physically using a substance but that doesn't break the pattern of addiction Right. I, I think maybe the dangerous portion of, of what we caution against might be the sex portion, which, you know, releases a lot of the same chemicals in the brain that drugs do um, and can feel really good and, and be a replacement feeling. And to, to chase that could definitely be dangerous. Um, but I, I agree. I I don't know that there's any way we can tell anyone how to live their life. And I think it's our experience that guides us forward in everything we do. Um, so I, I'm not, I don't, but I think we're way off the topic yeah, the cult of cults topic. for sure. Um, well, the other thing I would say about the, the sort of cult idea is recovery and meetings and the feel and the flow of things varies from area to area. So, you know, I've had the opportunity to travel a bunch of different places and go to meetings all over the country in different areas. You find that certain areas do things differently. They, 
you know, the, the little chants and sayings that we do are different right. in different places. You know, how we celebrate, you know, birthdays or anniversaries or whatever those words we use for those things are different depending on what area you're in. Um, yeah, definitely. So when we welcome a new person, I know in the area I'm from, it's like, welcome, keep coming back. It works. And then if you li- go 30 minutes from there to anywhere, in any direction, it's keep coming back. Welcome. It works or something like it. It's yeah, backwards. It's, and I'm like, what? How can it? We're right here. We're 30 minutes from where I live. How do you say it differently? Some people, they celebrate their anniversary by sharing some other places, you know, 45 minutes away. You get a speaker to come share for you. And it's. Very different from place to place. So does that mean then we're a bunch of little mini cults? That must, that <laughs> yeah. must be what it is. We must be a bunch of mini cults. I remember um, when I when I first got clean, uh, and I, I don't even remember exactly what information I was coming home spewing to my parents or whatever, but I remember my father saying, it sounds like you're brainwashed, right? Now, this is a guy who dealt with me through all the stuff I stole from him and, and all the using and... He said, it sounds like you're brainwashed. And I remember that kind of hurt, right? And I took it to my sponsor and my sponsor gave the the good old cliche of like, maybe your brain needed a little washing, right? (laughs) And I loved it. I was like, oh, I can't wait to take this home and hit the old man with this one. And uh, yeah, maybe it did, right? So I don't know about brainwashing in the sense of like, okay, so early on, I probably did buy into a whole lot of beliefs that I didn't really inspect or or evaluate or decide if they were good for me or not, or had any basis in anything. I just heard them. I was all in and I spouted them back out at everybody that would listen, right? And people who wouldn't too. Uh, And so over time, I've gotten the chance to evaluate what I really believe matters and what works for me in my life and what I can give to other people out of that and what I ignore. But yeah, early on, I do kind of feel like we sort of brainwash people a little bit because they're so ready to buy into anything that's not using, you know, that life was miserable. Yeah. And personally, I mean, I'm sure other people have different experiences, but I didn't hear or never received any information early in my recovery that was detrimental or damaging to my life. Right. Um, I can definitely say that, you know, if I, when I did the things that were suggested to me by what seemed to be senior members or healthier looking recovery people or people that talked about recovery principles, um, my life got better. And that's where we developed this, you know, we sort of come in with a vague amount of faith that like maybe things are going to or hope, I guess, a, a vague right. amount of hope that maybe things can get better in my life. Maybe I can do this to turning into faith where it's like, hey, if I practice these principles, things will get better because sometimes it's going to get hard. So I wonder we and, and it talked about that in the definition a little that people had to be practicing their religion in a weird way in order to be considered a cult. And so we look at these, you know, famous cults that we know uh, and possibly led by, you know, a, a Manson or a Jim Jones and we do say, oh, they're cults because they were going towards a negative end goal, right? Um, I don't, does that need to be part of the qualification? Because I agree with you. I think that generally most of the stuff we're teaching is positive things for your life, whether, you know, it works out great or not. They are generally positive suggestions. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and that again gets back to the, literal definition versus the society normal understanding right. of cult most of the time when we talk about cults there's this negative feel or negative vibe that it's you know sort of leading people down a dark path 
path of believing, you know, unhealthy or, or dangerous ideology. And I definitely don't get that from recovery. Um, but from the loosest definition you can find of what is a cult, we probably would be a cult. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, we're like a positive cult with uh, a religion that doesn't have rules. Yeah. <laughs> And so what's funny is, you know, I get it. Like 12 step recovery is not for everyone. There's a lot of people that I don't say a lot, but there's plenty of people that come in and just, this isn't for them for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they say God, maybe it's because it looks kind of cultish. Maybe it's because it's too overly religious. Maybe they don't fit into large groups. Who knows? You know, everyone has their own sort of thing that works for them. Um, but what's I find fascinating is the the people that will say like addiction is not a disease want to use the most closed-minded clinical definition of disease, but then they'll say it's a cult or a religion using the most loosely based definition of religion or cult. So it's like right. you know, yeah, we if we're gonna use the loosest version of some words, but then the most strict you know, medical definitions of other words to oh, yeah. suit what we really believe. Oh, well, we got to pick and choose in yeah, order to make right. our point. I'm sure I do right. that too. Uh, well, so one of the things I read earlier, and I don't want to backtrack too far. I felt like we were wrapping up a little bit. Oh, well. Uh, so the story I read about this lady earlier who was having trouble deprogramming mm-hmm. from, from her fellowship, she had gotten in and she had like nine and a half years clean when everything just kind of hit the fan in her life. And and that's when she sought out this help to deprogram and to leave the fellowship she was in. And she said, man, so I came in and I was happy in the sense of like, I, I had gotten some freedom from the active using and things were good, but they were only good because I was stuffing all the real issues down while I worked this program. And she made it seem like the program had forced her to stuff this stuff down. Huh. And then she was living these, you know, she never felt like she lived the promises, I guess, in AA, even though they confused it. And she talked about being happy, joyous and free, which is not the AA fellowship to my understanding. But I, I just I could relate. So much in the sense that I got clean, I worked steps, I pushed forward, life got a lot better. But at nine and a half years, I'd also hit like a kind of breaking point in my life where I realized I needed some other assistance outside of, you know, N.A. Um, And what I but what I took out of that was something completely different than what she took out of it. I never felt like N.A. told me to stuff my feelings whatsoever. And that's how you'll be happy. I took out of it that uh, N.A. had guided me to a place that was pretty damn good from where I was coming from. And then I just needed some extra help. And when I needed that extra help, it was actually other NA members that showed me where to go to look for it. Right. Like they had had that experience too. And they guided me in the right direction. Again, I didn't feel misguided by the program or the fellowship into a false sense of being happy and, and through them guiding me to another outside resource to find some more happiness I, I didn't want to not come back. Like I couldn't wait to come back and find people that also need that outside help to guide them to that too. Like there's just that NA didn't misguide me. They just got me to a point and they couldn't personally do any more for me with that area, but they hadn't like ruined my life and I wouldn't have been better off not coming here at all. Yeah. And I've never seen anywhere that says, you know, any 12 step fellowship is a one 
stop shop to fix every area of everyone's life all the time. I mean, we all come in here with different baggage and different damage from our childhood and different issues and things that we need to work on. Um, the, to my understanding, the 12 step model is just a place for me to sort of dig through what are my issues? What do I need to work on? What are some areas that I need to, to work on? My character defects may be different than your character defects. Some of them are the same, but what I struggle with is different than what you struggle with is what different than what someone else struggles with. I myself, I've never at this point in my life, not saying it'll never happen, but I've never had an issue with gambling. I've never had an issue with sex. I've never had an issue with food. So I've never had to seek outside help for those issues. I don't attribute that to the 12 step fellowship that I belong to, (laughs) you know, they just weren't areas that I had. It maybe it's something to do with my upbringing. You know, I, my parents stayed married for 47 years. I grew up in a fairly healthy household, you know, with two parents that loved and supported us growing up. Um, I suffered some abuse, but it wasn't at the hands of my parents and they were loving and supporting and caring to the best of their ability. So I came in here with certain skills. You know, I had a good role model of, you know, showing up for work every day and showing up for your kids and doing these healthy values. So, you know, I used my entire, I mean, I worked and maintained a job throughout my entire addiction. Going to work was never an issue for me. Now I got high at work and I couldn't work unless I was using in the bathroom. I guess you could say there was some issues there. (laughs) Performance. But but yeah, but I still showed up every day. So I didn't come in like, hey, I need to learn how to fill out a resume or get a job or how to work. How do people show up for work every day? Like those were skills that I brought here. Right. So the character defects and the issues that I brought with me were different than some other people. Right. You know, so it's not a one size fits all repair everyone's life program i don't think (laughs) no i just think it's a program full of useful suggestions on ways that have worked for people to to stay clean to stay off of whatever particular problem they've had that's really the first priority they need to get fixed up in order to move into working on these other areas that need some assistance um with that i i think this is probably a good place to wrap up i like how you put na in that light or 12-step fellowships in that light right there. Um, So is 12-step fellowships, are they religions or cults? Uh, I say, who gives a fuck? They're really helpful. Yeah, and that's I fall into the same place. It's like whether you want to call it, you know, it's got some religious beliefs maybe, but does it really matter? Like, it's going to help your life. I think I don't, I haven't heard too many people that it's damaged their life. Um, I'd like to hear those stories just, just to hear them, but I haven't ever heard one, you know, every time I find some of those, uh, uh, you know, doing the rabbit hole of web searching, I'm always like, you're so full of shit. Yeah. (laughs) It's just hard to believe the stuff they say. And any organization you get involved with, like say, there's going to be bad people everywhere, you know, and, and, unfortunately this is a place where there's a lot of sick and unhealthy people so you do have to keep your guard up yeah we are we are definitely shopping in the denon canal quite (laughs) frequently um all right so with that uh thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week that wraps up this episode please subscribe rate and review this podcast on your preferred platform 
If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about or just want to add an opinion, contact us through Anchor, email us at recoverysortof at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at recoverysortof.